When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome back to For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast on a victory Monday where Aston Villa put everything to the sword uh, in a weekend where, you know, there was, uh, um, how would I put it, there was a lot of fighting spirit shown, some of it on the field and some of it off the field. But before we get into probably one of the bigger stories in, in football at the moment, let's talk about the biggest football story in football at the moment, Villa's brilliant win in Goodison on Saturday night when... As everybody knows, everybody knows us here on the podcast, we save our best work for evening games at the weekend. Just that's when we do our best work. It really is. And we went down and we showed it, we showed it against Everton on Saturday night at 8 p.m. as I say in Goodison. Paddy, how did you feel about that clash of the historic titans, is what I'm gonna call them? Well, I suppose first and foremost, if you, if you look at the game from from a neutral point of view, it was a brilliant game of football. It was full of entertainment, excitement, everything that most of the games in the Premier League have lacked. Like, it's very rare you watch a game as a neutral and thoroughly enjoy it. And I challenge anyone to tell me that they didn't enjoy that at the weekend because, for me, it was the best ge- the best game we played since Liverpool, as in the performance of the goals and everything. That, that's just... Probably the, first, the first, half of, first half of the Burnley game, um, when we were... The game we lost 3-2. We were absolutely yeah. outstanding in that first half. But I know what you mean. It's the most co- coherent performance, I think, since then, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I thought we got a, a little slice of luck in the, uh, you know, bef- before they even got onto the pitch, James R- Rodriguez pulled up injured. And I was delighted to see Alex Ohobi in his, his replacement. Albeit he didn't do too bad. He got stuck in, huffed and puffed. But, uh, I was a lot happier that it was him coming at us than than James Rodriguez, mm-hmm. who can who can open up a defence like a knife through butter. He's just a, a, a phenomenal talent. So I suppose that was the first thing that went in our favour very early on. 
Um, with regards to our own team, no huge surprises. Maybe maybe a surprise for some that, that Barkley was back in there. I thought it was going to be, as I said in the in the preview. I was full sure he would start. And as it turned out, and we'll get to it, I think he justified his start. I think I think it's probably his best game since the COVID outbreak. Yeah, you in fairness to you, you called it Ross Barkley. I was a bit um I, 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 I thought that we want more legs, if I remember rightly, and I wanted to get Jacob Ramsey in there, you know, get more legs, get in around their midfield. Um, I thought their midfield would have a way bigger say in the game. I thought Andre Gomez would have a way bigger say in the game. I thought Alan would have a way bigger say in the game. But what they wanted, they seemed to want to do was they, they didn't seem to want to, to play forward with the ball an awful lot. They they wanted to stay and, and uh, you know, be more continuity players inside the middle of the park, which... You know, fine, they do that well, and they're 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 able to do that against the bigger teams. But I was shocked at how little of a plan B Everton Everton had just from those two players. They had zero plan B, um, and that that was really shocking for me. When you've got a manager like Ancelotti inside there, and and literally whether these two players just don't have it anymore, or whether he's he's coached that out of them, I I was really really shocked with that. But you called Ross Barkley. In there, and and as you say, we will get onto it. But Ross Barkley, I thought was uh, was was quite good. But we we did we did I suppose realistically look looking back at the game, we came out of the came out of the game out of the traps, you know, like grease lightning, and we were uh, we were very very heavily predicated on getting that ball, making sure we got it as quick as possible up to that to to Ollie Watkins, making sure Ollie Watkins was peeling off those two centre halves, moving Mason Hall get around. I thought he gave an absolute exhibition. First 20 minutes was some of the best forward play I've seen from Ali Watkins all year. And that sent something because literally he had to make everything happen for the whole yeah. team, not just for himself. And he was rewarded with a goal in 13 minutes. Do you want to talk us through that goal, Paddy? Because I know that you felt fairly strongly about missing the whole gate in the build-up to that goal as well. Talk to us about that. Yeah, well, he just had, you know, something that we've been... Uh... Guilty of ourselves, that that little lapse in concentration. Watkins nicks the ball away from him. He actually fouls Watkins in the fourth mm-hmm. phase of play and then slides in off his feet on the, on the edge of the box. So there was two yellow cards in the build-up to the to the, to the goal. And, you know, from, from my point of view, I'd like to see a yellow card dished out there regardless of the outcome because I think we've got to encourage players to stay on their feet like Ollie Watkins did. Yeah. Because I think his knees actually came to the ground before he put the ball in the net. Um, but, you know, great perseverance, great work, uh, great strength, first and foremost, in, in in holding off Holgate. And then a phenomenal finish, just passed the ball into the net, just the way I like it. Yeah. he And it was a serious finish, too, because that angle was not, that angle was acute as well. Yeah. And if I remember rightly, in my mind's eye, I can see a defender coming across to help Pickford. No, he was a good bit away, but you know, when you see that movement, that movement in your peripheral vision, um, you know, that you're drawn mm. towards stuff like that um, yeah. as well. So like for him to just put it right in the side netting as well, I thought it was an absolutely mm. superb finish. If, and we know, yeah, South, he, you know, Southgate was there, you know, so that, that must be like music to his ears. Southgate's ears oh, to see the furrow he plowed on his own up there for the whole lot of the game today. And then to have, have the composure in that instance to he did he hit the ground first got up slotted the ball home like you know you can't ask any more from a striker and I continue yeah. to say it until until it isn't true Ollie Watkins is a magnificent striker 
magnificent player. I go say yeah. magnificent player, probably more so than striker, but magnificent yeah. player in the Premier League. Yeah, by far and away, um, you know, he he was absolutely phenomenal. Just just a reminder that a week ago he he got into a similar position and blasted it straight at the referee. So it shows that he's learning as the, the as referee. Straight at the goalkeeper. So he's learning from mistakes and he's growing as a player. So I'm delighted yeah. for him. I'm, I'm absolutely thrilled for him. Um, and, you know, I'd, I'd love to see him score a few more goals, obviously, and add to his game that way. So it was great to see him getting a, a goal. Um, had a couple of more chances, which weren't as, as good as that one. But, uh, yeah, he, he has been a phenomenal signing for us. And he, he's only going to get better because he's getting better as the season goes on. And I think as his confidence, you know, continues to grow, he'll he'll become an unstoppable player for us. Yeah, he he got into such great positions in the first half, and I'm gonna I'm gonna allow him hog the limelight because I think he absolutely deserves it in the first half. He was specifically, um, there was I I think that there was a tactic, and I, and I mentioned it previously. I think the tactic from Dean Smith was very simple. I would think it was get the ball down the side of the side of those two centre halves. Mm. He he did exactly the same thing against Everton last year. It was exactly that that tactic, except it was more slide passes, it was more passes on the ground. This time it was get the ball up there, make sure their fullbacks were turning and trying to get back on the yeah. ball. Matty Cash, I thought, was outstanding as well in this game. I thought he was really, really good. Whipped in some beauties, and I think, and he whipped one or two into the into the box that caused consternation there, into the towards the back post. He almost turned into Ahmed El Mohamedi the way he was crossing the ball into the box uh, there to there as well on on uh, on Saturday. But um, Watkins, as I say, he had a couple of other shots. There was another one which is almost carbon copy. He got got the run on Mason Holgate and, and got in there, with, but um, Pickford made a good save. He kind of his touch. Watkins touch left him down and that's yeah. that's kind of that's that's kind of where he needs to brush up on I think we used to see that with a small bit with Harry Kane as well when he very first started off at, at Spurs that little touch would would uh would kind of stifle his kind of his predatory instinct when he got in there and he get too close to the goalkeeper same thing happened to Watkins but um Watkins is like that that's to be that's to be understood with somebody who's only played a year and a half up top you know this is he's only 18 months playing up top it's absolutely phenomenal, but yeah. we can see the work rate from him and, and, and so on. Just the honesty of effort that he gives is just fantastic. He had another one on the left side of the box. He broke down, broke free, should I say, took a shot with his left foot this time. And um and I got just got a clip off uh of Godfrey um and went out for a corner. But I don't know whether it was going to go into the back of the net, but it was uh, just shows that he's dangerous and he's dangerous from both sides. Mm. And he worked both of those defenders. And he, when he was on their shoulders, they were looking behind. They were fully expecting the long ball. If the ball was coming through the center, he was working between the two center halves. He was turning them around. He was almost running that figure of eight. I remember it was actually very, very, very like... Um, Villa played Spurs last year in the infamous game when... Um, I think it was the infamous game when... when Bjorn Engels let the ball go under his foot and Sam went in and scored in the last minute. Um, Dean Smith played a tactic very similar to that and Samata more or less ran a figure of eight in between the two centre halves and it was a case whereby the centre halves were continually having to hand him off but not because yeah. they were in control but because he was in control of where they were being positioned and I thought Ollie Watkins was did that again and, and, and I like this from Dean Smith. If this is something that Dean Smith has called um, that 
he's not afraid to go into almost an NFL playbook style of things. People, you guys know I'm, I'm a big NFL fan. Uh, it, it, it's it's okay to be able to do that, to be able to call tactics and to go back to them if you know they work. And if you spot that you've got these matchups against certain center halves, because it's something that's never talked about. A lot of people expect the game of football to be very much off the cuff and sparkles of ingenuity from the players. And that's grand if you have players that can do it. But if you know that you can draw something up that's a, that, that is a training ground maneuver that happens in real time on the, on the football field, that's worth its weight in gold because you can be guaranteed every single player gets such a lift off it when it, co- when, it when it actually happens, when it comes through and when it comes to fruition because they've all been breaking their balls in the training ground for it to happen. And I'm not just talking about corners because we just don't score those. I think, I think I'll have lost my voice. I'll be well into my <laughs> 80s before I can sing my song at this stage. Yeah. But, you know, set pieces, teams are getting really good at defending those, but you can actually make these... Um, these 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 prescribed plays and runs within the game as well and i think i genuinely think that we saw that in the first half against everton that we had a game plan to get up early and i think we've had a lot of this season because we've gone one nil up early very early like within the first 10 minutes we scored loads of goals this year and i think there is something that we've got plays designed to to get those goals or to at least get into positions to score them so that's been my little soliloquy for today um that's my <laughs> ted talk thank yeah. you very much for attending but uh, <laughs> but Ali Watkins, no, I, I I genuinely think he was he was outstanding. That first twenty minutes was absolutely outstanding from him, and 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 um, Southgate was there, and he put on a show for Gareth Southgate as well. No, it wasn't all plain sailing within the first like the, that's the first twenty minutes. You know, nineteen minutes into the game, Dominic Calvert Lewin scores at the back post from corner. Where yeah. have we seen that before? <laughs> yeah, talk us um, through that, Paddy. Well, I, I suppose it was the one disappointing part of of, of uh, the game at the weekend, but um, I think we've got to accept that he's not going to change from zonal marketing or zonal marking because it's, it's it's undone us a few times this season, almost identical to a, a few that we've been undone by. That it was just drops into that zone at, at the at the drops into the back of the six yard box. Let's call it. And there's been someone there to meet it. And the one person, whatever about it being a defender, is just going to get a solid header on it. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is phenomenal in the air. Mm. So he just he just managed to basically spin Ross Barkley around. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not calling out Ross Barkley for it. That, you know, we decided to play, you know, and let's be honest, we, we got away with it for so long. Our zonal marking was working. And we've just been undone a few times this season. So it's the, it's the only real bad point of the game for me. Um, it's the only disappointing part. I thought we defended very well, but you know, if, you, if we're going to play zonal marking, we can't we can't have that position. You know, if whatever about being done once from from that kind of ball, we seem to constantly um, be be caught from that area. Not always resulting in a goal, but that's where they're targeting for us because that's where they know the small man usually is and has been. We've seen McGinn get caught out in that position. Barkley, on the other hand, of course, is big enough to look after Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but he just stole a yard on him and he was true and there was just no recovery from Barkley at that stage. That's where I think that this goal is different. I don't think that this was zonal marking, but I, but I think that, you, that Ross Barkley has... the the Look, I, I just I genuinely don't know who I would have put at the back post on, on, on Dominic Calvert-Lewin um, in that instance. I was actually happy mm. when I saw Ross Barkley there because he's 6-1 or so. And Ross yeah. Barkley follows him. It's just Calvert-Lewin is just like, he's just a monster in the air. He really is. Well, I think um, he just I, checked, 
he just checked his run, and that's that's that what was the confusion. Yeah. And when yeah. he checked his run, Barkley ended up do, doing a pirouette, and he was just yeah. caught at that stage. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose like there's there's probably a lot of things in that this this uh you know we that's that is probably where we are. Well, it's not probably it is where we are weakest, but what we've what we've what we seem to have learned from it or even just from watching that that particular goal was that McGinn wasn't there. McGinn wasn't the man that was picking up Calvert Lewis. Yeah. Before it's been McGinn was picking up was picking up Ben Mee. Actually it wasn't, it was Douglas Louise was picking up Ben Mee at, at the back post and McGinn was picking up uh, Vestergaard for so Maybe there is a learning there that they said, right, Ross Barkley, listen, look, you need to pick up with a big man at the back post there. We yeah. can't have John McGinn there anymore. And I, I, if you if you look at it closely, Ross Barkley wasn't actually zonal marking. He was man marking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there was a little bit of a difference in there. But if, yeah. if you look across the line when the ball is played, there is, there's definitely zonal marking. Oh, yeah. Big stuff. I, I used to go out on, the, on, a, on a pitch, and if you knew the opposition, it was always... Paddy, you're marking him. Neil, you're marking him mm. on set pieces. And you just knew your job. And if that player scored, there's a famous documentary with uh, Neil Warnock in the Sheffield United uh, dressing room. And he absolutely lambasted the centre-half because it was actually Jolene Lescott. Now that I think of it, if you ever get a chance to look at it, it's, it's very good because there's n all the expletives are still in it and everything. So <laughs> it's it's a funny one. But it, it, it's, it's nothing but expletives if it's Neil Warnock. Yeah, it was actually <laughs> Jolene Lescott that scored, I think. And it, uh, he's absolutely lambasting them. But it, that that would be my, my school of, uh, of defending corners is that mm. every player has a job. Everyone has a, a player. And if your player doesn't come up for the corner, then you're the free man and you go and attack the ball or whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, the, the game is progressing, you know, <laughs> almost beyond recognition to what it was when I was playing. So, mm. um, and, and it changes so much year on year with different tactics and different stuff. And, you know, we, we spoke about it the very first time we were undone by zonal marking. And mm. it was probably the first time that we actually really noticed we were zonal marking. And when you went back and looked at it, previous games, yes, we were zonal marking yeah. all along. You know, yeah. but it just so happened that somebody found a way around it and, and they call us out, which they have a few times this season. But uh, I'm not I'm not letting that override um, the, the emotion I have for this game because... I, I truly feel this was a, a really, really good team performance uh, right across the board. Um, we mentioned Ross Barkley there. I, I was reading a stat there earlier on. He ran over 12 kilometres in the game. For a, guy that, for a guy that people have been complaining hasn't been getting up to, to his usual standards, 12 kilometres is way above average for, 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 mm. uh, for, for any player on the pitch. Uh, uh, you know, they're really, really good stats. So... Uh, you know, he, he did put it in. He did get it out, but he needs to do it every week now. Spite but, will uh, make you do queer things, won't it, Paddy? Spite, spite will make you do queer things. Like, I know yeah, when I'd be playing against teams that I hated back in the past. Yeah, <laughs> I I 12 kilometers, I'd, I'd run at 12 kilometers just to bust fellas halfway through the game. <laughs> you know, that was what I was doing, chasing fellas around to leave the studs in the back of the calf. But, uh, <laughs> but no, and, and I think that's probably where we, where we should go to next because... Ross Barkley, um, Ross Barkley showed up on Sunday, and as you said, yes, he needs to do that now for the next whatever, how many games left? Five games Five of the games, season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ross Barkley needs to do that for his own personal career. Whether he gets to come back to Aston Villa or not, I think is probably a slim chance at the moment. But uh, talk to me about Ross Barkley. Um, I've got my own views on, on, on how he played. I thought I think we're both along the same lines. But uh, I saw things from Ross Barkley that I haven't seen since since. Uh, it's seen in 2021. 
But talk yeah. to me about him, Paddy. Yeah, well, you know, he, he seemed to boss that area. He, he got on the ball an awful lot, albeit he had a couple of flaky touches where he gave the ball away. That's fine. That's going to happen. But um, he, he just showed many shadows of, of his former self before Christmas. Mm. And, you know, we spoke about what, what could have happened with COVID with him. Um, I I've, I went all in on him about six weeks ago saying, I'm done with him. And, you know, how many times have we done that with Amir Al-Ghazi? And, and, and we'll get to him later on as well, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But um, for me, I'm not, I'm, not, uh, I'm not completely ruling out now the fact that he could play himself into a contract. I honestly don't think he, he would see anything like the wages he's getting at Chelsea. But uh, if if he can show in the ne- in the next five games, I think there might be an honest attempt to go and sign him. Uh, yeah, I think like like he's not getting into the Chelsea twenty five next year. There's no. just there's just no no way in the world he's getting yeah. in there. Into, into, there is into another the, opportunity to take him on loan next season too. If if Tuchel doesn't see anything in him. And let, let's but I, I, he's going to spend I, I, in the summer. There's going to be an awful lot of yeah. coming and going at Chelsea. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think I don't think he probably goes out on loan again. Uh, no, he could, but as I say, um, and Ch- you know, Chelsea's penchant from loaning out a player. I don't think there's any other team in world football that have probably loaned out more players than them in the yeah. la- over the last ten years. But um, I think maybe for Ross Barkley's own sanity, sake, uh, pride, career, what's you know, he's he's. Father Time is undefeated. He's coming up to 30 years of age if he isn't 30 already. And he's, um, no, he's not. He can't. Yeah, 28. 28. 28. He's come up to 30 years of age. You know, it's, it's very hard to find that second wind, especially when you're the yeah. type of player that Ross Barkley is. So mm. I think you might push for a full-time move, but whether Chelsea, grant, like once again, the clubs have all, have all the, um, hold all the aces with regards to the players in that aspect, but whether they actually get rid of him or not, um, I don't know. But, Look, as I say, we're not getting ahead of ourselves. One swallow doesn't the summer make. Um, you know, doesn't the summer transfer make, should I say? Yeah. See what I did there? And, I, and I, I think if my honest, father's listening to the podcast, he'd be proud of that one. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and and it wasn't one swallow. I thought he was particularly good last week as well, in fairness to him. Um, albeit not on the same level that he was this weekend. But um there's there's a number of very big fixtures there now that yes. he can go he can go and prove whether whether he's up to this or not. And, you know, chances are we could possibly see Jack next weekend. And that will make a huge difference to him and everybody around him. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest worry now for uh, Dean Smith is, does he take out El Ghazi if Jack is back? <laughs> so uh, We'll get on to El Ghazi. We'll get on to El Ghazi in a minute. He can, he'll take out El Ghazi as long as he leaves El Ghazi on the field. It'll be okay. <laughs> you know, there's a big piece yeah. in that. Just before we do move on to that, I want to recognize Ross Barkley's, uh, what are two things Ross Barkley did as well, because did a lot of thinking of talking about his future there. I mentioned at the start of the podcast that Alan and, um, and uh, Gomez were... Uh, were very very curtailed it's not yeah. i i don't think that it was particularly because they came out with a game plan to be afraid of ross barkley because the ross barkley as i say of the last 180 days just hasn't been there he hasn't been very very good um, and he's been injured for some of that point as well mm-hmm. but i genuinely believe that he occupied those areas he occupied areas and he, he actually played as a second striker for a good portion of the first 20 25 minutes again something that he only did he's only done fleetingly since the turn of the year i made a big deal out of it when against against Le, uh, liverpool against leicester against arsenal and um, against southampton when he got the header 
he did it as well. They're just a couple of games off the top of my head. When you look at his heat map, he's right up beside Ollie Watkins. Usually what he does is he goes, he he, he basically, they, they almost form a line, Jack, um, Barkley and Watkins when they played together. But I thought Jack, I thought uh, Barkley was, was much further forward for a good portion of that first half as well. And uh, he picked the ball up in those dangerous areas. And when he ghosts into that area between midfield and between, between the two centre halves, and he did it in the game, um on saturday as well and he picks it up and he's able to drive going forward because one of the biggest criticisms i have of ross barkley and i can't understand how you can be a premier league footballer and have and not have this in your in your arsenal is ross barkley is very poor at turning with the ball so if he's got his back to a player or his back to goal he's not the best at turning and Mm. look i I know everybody's bigger faster stronger in the premier league and stuff like that that's just the way it goes but You know, it's for me. It's a ball breaker for me. The fact that 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 that, this, that you see some players that just have a very find it very difficult to move their feet to, to be able to to be able to, to to get turned with the ball. No, saying that when he's got the ball and he's running down on goal, he's actually so confident, and you can see a different player in him. And he got that ball and he rattled it off the bottom of the post. Yeah, I mean, very unlucky. I nearly nearly had another windfall for Henry the Brave. I put a tenner on it. I think I got it. What did I get it on the on the pre-game show? Five to one again. Yeah, yeah. So we would have been in. We would have been in the in the money there again. Rattled it off the bottom of the post. One of the best shots of the whole game, I thought. And it was everything about it was just technique was brilliant. Head down yeah. over left foot, bang, and uh, just it was one of those ones. It just barely left the, left the ground. A real warm burner off the butt of the post. See, but Madden seemed to think that Pickford had it. Pickford wouldn't have had it if he in, in a month of Sundays. It was gone past him before he dived, you know. Yeah. But um, fair play to Ross Barkley. One definitely one of my um, definitely was what uh, was 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 a, a how would I put it uh, a glimpse into the performances that he has put in for us before, and that we hope he can do for the next five games. But you know. He's a he's a lot of ground to make up if he's going to stay here and be a twenty million pound transfer to Aston Villa in the summer. Yeah. Well, it's the, it's, the, it's the 20 million wouldn't put me off. It's the fact that it's now been quoted as being 35, 40 million, which is yeah. just, I, I don't envisage that's going to happen, mm. especially on the on the wages that he would probably look to command. Yeah. Um, I, I don't Im- imagine that he's the player that we're going to break any kind of wage structure for. So, uh, yeah, he had five games, I think, to, to, to earn himself some kind of contract or, or, or even us to have an honest effort at, at, at trying to buy him but um uh, it, it may be too late but I, I you know I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt now I haven't heard that he possibly has long covid because he mm. had, had been missing an action for such a long time and if that is the case I hope what we saw at the weekend will show that he, he is out of it and he is willing to put in the effort because he can do it. Plus, we have another game against Everton. He's going to enjoy that one too, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And that's been fixed now for the second I went about talking about it. It just rattled out of my mind. Yeah. Is it the 13th of May? Thursday week, I think, yeah. That would be You're about right? the 9th. Uh, yeah, 13th. 13 to me. So we've got Everton. So actually, I think we've got like four games in six days, four games in nine days or something like that coming yeah. up. So we're back to Christmas form again, you know. So that's where we're going to need El Golzi and um, to come up trumps. And let's talk a small little bit about that because come at the 80th minute, come at Amber El Ghazi when he's got his shooting boots on, really, because um, we talk about yeah. this. We've scored a lot of goals in the early portions of games and we've uh, we do our best work at 8 o'clock on a Saturday or a Sunday. 
And Royal Gazi just seems to do his best work in the last 10 minutes of games when he feels like well, look, when, when things are going his way. Yeah. He steps up and he turned into he turned into Ronaldo oh. again, you know. We, we, we've <laughs> said it before. We, I think he fancies himself as the as the North African as well. I was gonna say North African, that's his extract. He's obviously played for plays for um played for the Netherlands, yeah. uh, but he fancies himself as kind of like the next two down from Ronaldo, and sometimes he can do it. More often than not, he can't. And I think he yeah. gave us a glimpse into it to shuffle the ball to the right and let an absolute rocket into the top corner. Talk to me about it, Paddy. How did you how, yeah, and, and, talk to me about that goal? And we, we've probably glossed over the fact that he rattled the crossbar earlier in the game as well. So, yes, he, um, you know, we, we got we got to give him credit when it's due. I thought it was one of his better games overall. Yeah. Um, even when he couldn't get on the ball, he was still working hard and a lot harder than he usually does. So he impressed me throughout the game. Um, but that finish, the, the just the, the touch, and then, you know, without even thinking about it, hitting a rocket past uh, Jordan Pickford, who, let's be honest, had it was like a man possessed throughout the game as well. He was he played really well. That's one of the best games I've, I've ever seen Pickford play. He, di- he did have a, a bit of a brain fart early on when he came for a ball. He'd no right to go for and and we ended up nearly lobbing him, but uh, you know you, you've you've got to admire the finish from El Ghazi. But you've got to ask the question: Is why is he not doing it more often? What's the reasoning behind yeah. it? Yeah. So that that's what Dean Smith needs to get to the bottom of. You know, does is is this the kind of guy that needs motivation? Is he playing for his future? Is every game need to be that he's playing for his future? I don't know. But that that game at the weekend again was one of the best I've seen El Ghazi play in a long time. Amor Agassi, what age is he, Paddy? I'm trying to just think here. I'm uh, because he's, he's just gone 26. Actually, he turned 26 on the third of May, which was the day today. after the game. No, it was is that today? It's today, today. today's the third. Yeah, happy birthday, yeah. Amor Agassi. There are, our, <laughs> our social media blackout would have told us it, it, we would have known it was his birthday, but yeah, um, yeah, but, it's, it's, it's actually been a very strange weekend without uh, without social media alerts. Great. Be honest with you, it's been fantastic. Although I, I got did, a whole lot of work done today in the house. <laughs> I was exactly the same. Yeah I, fi- yeah, I finally remembered what my significant daughter's name was, and I had a full conversation with her for the first time <laughs> since August 2019 when I first started this podcast. Um, <laughs> that's a joke, by the way. That's a joke, kind of. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it was uh, look, uh, we we did we did stay off it obviously for 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 the reasons that you mentioned previously, but um. And it was it was difficult to um it, it was difficult to uh I suppose to 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 find to find the the team and to be honest with you I didn't even go looking for the team I turned on Sky I turned on um, BT Sports five minutes before the game and I said yeah look sure it's not as if I don't know the players that are going to be on the field once they once they go to kick it off I know exactly what the eleven are you yeah. know so uh, I found that refreshing a bit it was a throwback to. To, uh, about 20 years ago or 25 years ago when you were watching a game and you know it just there'll be like two minutes of pre preamble to the build-up yeah. and then straight into the game so um yeah but one weekend is fine <laughs> we'll be back for the team 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 sheet tantrum next sunday anyway for sure because i really enjoyed those i did miss, i did miss doing the tantrum all right this weekend but um you know there was bigger things at play um, than us having our tantrum about, and we probably wouldn't have a nice old tantrum there with Ross Barkley playing, but um, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, oh, I had another question for you there as well. Uh, Don't forget, well, I got the score prediction right this week. 
You got the score prediction right again. You're two for two now, aren't you? Um. Well, I got I got our our loss against. Uh, yeah, you got Liver. Was it against Liverpool? Liverpool, I got that right. Anyway. Yeah. Still, you know, you're steady, still. <laughs> petty, yeah, petty, petty power. I was gonna call you, but uh, that's that's been taken. I think that was been taken. I vaguely remember someone being called that before. Um, I had something else there. There was something else in the game that I wanted to go through. Uh, maybe it was Matty Cash, because I, because I, I, I think Matty Cash was fantastic. I think, yeah. uh, I think he did a lot of great work in this game, and um. You know, there's 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 a lot of things that like we put an awful lot in our fullbacks, and I think Matt Cash and Target were were back to their best. I think nearly everybody was back to their best. You could see, yes, this is what I wanted to talk about: our spacing, the spacing of our fullbacks, our midfield, and our uh, our what we're going to call them our wide forwards, even Bertrand Troy. I thought our spacing of our players was spot on. It was really good, and it was go- going back to the start of the season. We had that perfect spacing again. McGinn wasn't headless around the field. Douglas Louise was in the right place at the right time an awful lot. I think we moved as a unit an awful lot more, and maybe that is because Barkley can get around the field a small bit more, maybe because he isn't hauling lead that people don't have to don't have to get into those positions for him. Or maybe, yeah. uh, you know, so maybe it, it could be as simple as that, that, you know, every single cog of the wheel has to be working for, for a spacing to be right but um i i've watched it back again and it's there are times there where mcginn and louise are like as if there's a rope tying them together they're moving moving in unison up and down the field they um they, that that's yeah and if anybody has the opportunity to watch it back again watch it back and be cognizant and try try and mm. try and be be mindful of looking at it again and just see where our players are there's a lot more a lot a lot more um it, it flows the fluidity of of, yeah. of of where our players were for where 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 the pivots in midfield were picking up the passes where when the ball was coming to certain players where they the, this the crispness of passing is there not because like the Christmas pa- crispness of passing is there because maybe players are, are are getting back on it again you know they're getting out of their funk but also because they're used to the positioning of players the spacing of players where players should be and um I thought there was a lot of good stuff there. Where we were able to play our way out of, out of trouble in triangles a bit. Yeah, a couple yeah. still went out over the sideline. But look, that's it. To make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs, like, you know. So yeah. um, that was something I really, really liked. And I'm going to be really interested to see that against Man United's midfield at the weekend as well. Because you can be damn sure they're going to go back in with McTominay and two big brutes inside their midfield again to kick us up and down the field. Yeah. And... Uh, and probably with Pogba, they're going to put brute force in midfield against us because, um, you know, just like they did against us in Old Trafford, they will look to rough us up there and then break mm. us on the counter. But that's all for another day. But green sheets, green shoots of recovery there with our midfield, specifically yeah. on our fullbacks and, and, and the spacing of players and where they were on the field to receive passes, which was, think, which was great think, to see. I think for the first time in a long time, we're not talking about our midfield as well. And yeah. I think that's a lot down to the fact that uh, Ross Barkley worked hard and worked his nuts off and kept a lot of pressure yes. on that they were they just weren't able to come through the middle at us. And it, it should be the tactic for Man United, but I know we'll get to that later in the week. And uh, and why shouldn't it be, you know, Ross Barkley to do it again? Because, you know, it's uh, it's one hell of a job he did at the weekend. And if he can do it against Man United, I think he goes a long way towards earning a move, if not to us, to somewhere anyway. Mm, definitely, definitely. 
Paddy, before we go on to maybe talk about one or two other things in the footballing world that have been going on at the weekend, let's do our uh, man of the match for this weekend. Um, I'm actually going to let you call this one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going, to let, I'm going to let you call it because I don't know who I would pick. Um, yeah. So I, I had a feeling you were going to do this, so I have, I have my answer prepared. <laughs> um, while I've spoken a lot about Ross Barkley and the temptation would be to give it to him, I'm going to give it to Ollie Watkins because I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. And he did for most of the for most of the season. You see him do a lot of work without the ball. I felt that we on, on Saturday he was phenomenal with the ball, and there was a lot more going on, a lot yes. more, a lot more work and getting on the ball than, than I've seen from him before. So um, took his goal well, stayed on his feet. When you know, I, I guarantee you, if that was Salah, that was that was held back or the tackle came in, he would have stayed down and got the player sent off. But, you know, he had the wherewithal to get up, get back on his feet, compose himself and stick it in the net. It was a great goal. Absolutely phenomenal finish. And uh, for me, I, I just thought he was fantastic the whole game. Absolutely. Well-deserved. Ali Watkins, I think that's probably who I would have picked as well. Um, fantastic. You know, he was the difference maker. Uh, as I said, Gareth Southgate was in the stands, I think, a game like that could cement his position in uh, on the plane to the Euros, uh, and and Calvert Lewin did nothing, you know, to to play himself off the team either. So, yeah, um, I think that's good for good for Gareth Southgate to see that that there are options to play up there if you want to change it up because you know, Calvert Lewin is a bit more brutish up there, and uh, Kane does it all, and then you know you've got that little sniper kind of aspect from Ollie Watkins, maybe to replace the the effort that a Jamie Vardy or someone like that would have given an English team up there. So, um, yeah, very good day. I think Gareth Southgate came away from there very very happy mm-hmm. from um, from Goodison at the weekend, and I wholeheartedly agree. We're going to talk about the elephant that broke into the room here and uh we're not i'm going to set a time limit on it because i think i could go on forever here and what i do is i get progressively more angry and i don't like to be angry because i'm a smiley guy so we've been talking here for about 36 minutes so we give it we give it a good nine minutes anyway up to about 45 minutes and, and if that's that's the most we give it we might be finished yeah. talking we might, we might have talked ourselves out after five minutes who knows but manchester united and liverpool didn't go ahead yesterday and in 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 a polarizing piece, and, and I think it should be polarizing. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, some some fans may not agree with me when I say that. I think this should be polarizing, and I think that it's probably jumped the shark, crossed the Rubicon, whatever way you want to call it. I think that I think yesterday probably moved into the into the area of unacceptable for me. For what? For yes, there is fan protests, and there is you know about about taking control of your club or whatever, but to break into your own ground, to force a Premier League fixture to be postponed, I think is a small bit too far. Paddy, what do you think? What do you think of it? Well, I was absolutely disgusted with it, really. Um, my first thought when, when the match was uh, postponed was I was disgusted because it means that they, they get a longer rest going into this week and their players won't be as tired when we play them next weekend. But what their fans did is inexcusable. And I'm just I'm just going to read out two lines from two statements I saw today. The first one was from the Premier League. We understand and respect the strength of feeling. No. I don't know what that means. No, neither do I. What do you respect? You respect the fact that, that people do this? How do they understand? Yeah, do you respect that? How, how do you understand the strength of feeling there? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot, and I'm not going to get into it because a lot of them are alleged. Yeah. Um, but then, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff there that will end up in court. 
Yeah. And then the, the UK sports minister, Nigel Huddleston, says, uh, we understand the frustrations. Like, you don't. get a life and call them out for what they are. These are but, thugs. There was criminal damage. There was breaking and entering. There was assault of a police officer. There was assault of Sky Sports staff. Alleged, alleged assault. This stuff was going on and on and on. And, th- you know, th- that that's plumazing them saying things yeah. like that. Call them yeah. out for what they are. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, you know, and what the, the most hurtful part of this is from, from you know, I, I don't know where you position us within the, the, the pyramid of football, but the, the club that we support... And I'm very proud of the club and the heritage and the way we conduct ourselves. Obviously, you're going to get a bunch of idiots left, right, and center, but no matter who you support. But for that, how they managed to get so many people together without the police having any knowledge of it. Now, they did regroup very quickly, the police, in fairness. But, um, you know, that was very well thought out. They, they managed to, to cause disruption at the hotel. They caused disruption at the stadium. Yeah, they knew they knew how to get into the stadium and then open a gate to let everybody else in. It's yeah, there's there, there, there's a, there's a lot going on with that, and even so yeah. much so that the club came out today and said that all, that none of the stewards actually were involved in it. But I've seen a couple of things that clearly show stewards leaving people into the field. But look, once again, all that's alleged. Who knows? It's look. It, that's I suppose that's all. That's what they want people to be talking about. Who let them into the field? Whatever. Just fellas yeah. kicked open doors and got into the field. That's essentially what it is, you know. That's where protest turns into. Uh, it just goes a small bit too far for me, you know. Yeah. Uh, the fact that the fact that the game had to be postponed, and the fact that there was people on the field there, and that there was criminal intent in within getting into the field. That's all. When I go, people might say, "I get over yourself, Neil." Yeah. And I probably look. As I say, I can recall it as I see it. I wouldn't like if one of my kids was breaking open the door, kicking open the door to walk into Villa Park. I don't know. I wouldn't like if that was yeah. the case, regardless of what happened. Um, and you can say that I'm being pious about it, but that's just the reality of it, that these guys are probably going to get done in court. For well, let's let's, let's look at it from but, our point of view. Just go on, go on. What I wanted to say is that the reporting of it for me is is where I'm whatever the United fans felt they had to do, they felt they had to do. That's fine. Look, yeah. you know, they've all got their own lives. Far be it for me to tell a grown man what to do. My biggest problem here was the fact that Sky tied themselves in knots trying to trying to trying to keep everyone happy. They had Gary Neville revving up the fans on TV, which is fine. He's a United supporter. I hope that he he will, you know, maybe Salford will be a 50 plus one team. Um, you know, going forward, like he seems to want so much. I'm, I'm sure it will be. He's said enough yeah. about it now. I'm sure he's willing to willing to give half the stake or 51% of the stake of the club to the fans. You know, it's it would only seem fitting if he was to do that. But my biggest thing about this here is that in 2015, Aston Villa beat West West Bromwich Albion in the in the FA Cup semi-final. In an outpouring of joy and celebration, the fans the fans ran onto the field, which probably wasn't right in itself. But the context that this is, it was yeah. joy and it was it was celebration. The fans ran onto the field after the game in a tough season where we were fighting relegation after beating our rivals to get into an FA Cup final somewhere we hadn't been since the year two thousand when in the old Wembley. The BBC and newspapers ran with the dark days of football are back again and football hooliganism is on sh- was on show that yeah. day. Now that is unfair. There was kids there was kids on, on, on father's shoulders on the field that day going uh, and look 
I'm not saying I'm not condoning pitch invasions, mm. but the context was completely straight away tarred by yeah. this is wrong, these are bad people. Whereas Sky tied themselves in knots going, Yeah, you know, but these these guys are passionate about their club, you know, they're really passionate. And Keane was there, Roy Keane was on it there going, No, nah, but you know, these are passionate and the glazers should get out. Sky yeah. whipped these whipped these friends into a frenzy and then played both sides then when something like this happens. So mm. There was Sky were very very quiet when Venkies when when Blackburn were were um all over uh, when Blackburn were being run by Venkies and and basically they were running the club into the ground and and Blackburn where are they now they languished they dropped like a stone through the divisions and they're only just about coming back now same with Coventry Coventry ran into the ground by their owners Blackpool ran into the ground by their owners and fans protesting there there was there was no there was no positive feeling from Sky towards that but when. A, a group of fans break into a stadium, cause for a, yeah. cause for a, a, a marquee blue ribbon game against Manchester United and Liverpool that the whole world wanted to watch to be postponed in probably one of the biggest games of the season, regardless of how it was going to affect the, the Premier League or not. Yeah. Sky should have been calling that out for what it was because it made mm. it because it fucked them over too, you know. So well, you, you kind of stole my thunder there and what I was going to say with regards to the pitch invasion. But, you know, even, even later than that, when we beat, um, jeepers, we beat, who did we beat to qualify for the, was it Baggies we beat? Or Mid- Baggies, Middlesbrough? Middlesbrough, was it? the first time and Baggies the second time, yeah. So I, I was at the, the home game when we qualified for the playoff final. And I, I didn't go onto the pitch. I was celebrating in, in, in my seat and whatever in the whole end. And it all started to calm down anyway. We went over and we were sitting in the whole pub having a drink. And my father rang me and said, are you okay? Is everything all right? And I was going, what's wrong with you? He goes, oh, Sky are on and they're, oh, they're condemning the behavior of the fans. And they're saying there was riots outside. And I said, there was nothing like it. <laughs> and I said, I don't know what, I don't know what they're watching, but that was just an outpouring of emotion. And yet, they come out with the Premier League come out with these statements that they understand what's going on. This that Roy Keane, yeah, they're passionate. That that's that's not how you show owners no. what's going on. No, it, v- you know Villa it, Villa were also given a two hundred thousand pound fine. If I'm not mistaken, it was in less than a week of it happening. Let's see where the let's see where the where the passion and where the where the energy is from the yeah. from the FA to see I think, what they're I think doing. we all know. Bear in mind that two weeks out from the, the the vanity project of the Super League and nothing has been done. I yeah. think we know at this stage that Man United will get out of this scot-free or maybe the Glazers will get and pittance of a fine. But it's it's not acceptable behaviour. They need to go in hard on them. Not because it's Man United, because it's completely unacceptable from any group of fans. Like, we've had shit with owners over the years. We never did anything like that. They made a a brilliant protest going back what about 10 11 years ago all wearing their green and that was um, excellent yeah yellow scarves i thought that was the best way to do it what they did what they did yesterday was nothing short of tuggery and disgraceful conduct they could have stayed outside the ground and done it peacefully but they didn't what what they did wasn't acceptable and, yeah. and to go as far as stopping the team bus leaving as well and all that kind of stuff and i and i think I think it. I think it must be said that, like, it just goes to show on an instance like this when you've got a couple of thousand people outside the stadium in, you know, in that fashion, and it takes one fella to get get a rush of blood, and then it's safety in numbers. So 
the majority of the people, I, I am going to roll back slightly and I am going to say it because I think it is fair to say this because <clears throat> what we've said is, is, isn't, uh, isn't true or isn't, um, isn't lies either. But, you know, a lot of fellas were in there because they were easily led, not because they were the leaders. So, so it, it's going, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here. Um, I, I would imagine that there's going to be tons of bands for players. Like there will be lifetime bands for players uh, or for, 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 for people who are in there, for fans yeah. that are in there, should I say, and we'll see what's going to happen. But fingers crossed that stuff like this kind of, like it's okay to protest. The Chelsea protest was one. Chelsea, the Chelsea fans protested outside, you know, once it goes over the line to kind of violence, criminality, yeah. breaking in, stuff well, like that. I don't think anybody wants you know, that. Even that protest is protected and everyone is allowed yeah. protest and that's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. But no one's allowed to put their foot through somebody's door. And that's, no. that's kind of where I come down. And the, the Chelsea protest, in fairness, was, was a decent protest. But then on the other hand, they stopped the team bus and Peter Cech had to come out and try and calm yeah. them down. You know, the, there's always going to be some that overstep the mark. And that's why there's, there's very few protests that are totally peaceful. You know, exactly. tensions are running high. People are going to do stupid things. Yeah, Something will have to be done or this will be considered to be the norm. That's what and, I'm afraid of. Yeah, and that, yeah that's, that's what we're that's all exactly of. We, in, of. We can't go back to the dark days where it's unsafe to go and watch football, and no. and and a pitch invasion when your team is after getting to Wembley is not the dark yeah. days. That's just emotion and celebration, and it's actually one of the best sights in football is when something like that happens. You, you go back to West Brom when they stayed up on the last day of the season. Yeah. I, I, it's iconic memory of Kieran Richardson being carried shoulder high um, after that game. You know, everybody's done it in the past, but but looking at what Man United did yesterday on the pitch is unacceptable. I think you're the only person with an iconic memory of of Kieran Richardson. Full stop. Never mind him. Being, uh, yeah, but I think when you're wearing football, when, when things when special things happen, you have these imprinted. Especially football fans do anyway. You have these things imprinted on your brain, and uh, yeah. But that I remember the outpouring of emotion that day. Like we, we're not the only ones that, that do pitch no, invasions. <laughs> no, um, and yeah, and I think that's that that's that's important context as well. But look, we're not shying away from the fact that that we've been on the pitch too. But we were, as, as I say, context matters. Context yeah. is, is is there. I'm from a place in Ireland called Limerick. We are the home of the pitch invasion because whenever oh, yes. Limerick win a GA a GA match and a hurling match, we love <laughs> nothing more than to go onto the field and to hug, hug our players, and our players love nothing more than that as well. So Limerick. Yeah. The home of the pitch invasion. I and I'd like, I'd like to add that the only time I invaded the pitch was in 1995 for my own safety in the riot in Lansdowne Road. I had to yeah. get onto the pitch. And other than that, I've never had a pitch. Yeah. So I may have gone on in Croke Park at one stage, but um, never, had a, never had a soccer match because, like everyone knows, there's a huge fine for invading oh, the pitch. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, anyway, that's our pious bit. I said we'd only spend nine minutes. We spent... 12 if All not right. more um so i think it's about time that we shut up and we left everybody yeah. uh back to their day or their their afternoon or their night whatever time they're listening to this podcast thanks everybody so much for uh, for everything you do and for listening thanks so much i forgot to say it at the very start for the um the sports social podcast network as well as you know we are part of those if you are interested in any other sports you'll be able to find other sports podcasts on that podcast network you can um you, you can basically if you just google sports social podcast network you'll be able to find them there you'll be able to see two pictures of arm bugs up there as well because we're delighted as i say 
to be part of that podcast network. Also, for anybody who listens to the podcast on, on the audio version, we'd love if you could just subscribe on YouTube as well. Continue to listen on the audio version. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> if you are on YouTube, just click the subscribe button as well. You never know. There'll be bits and pieces that will be coming up there on YouTube and vice versa. Anybody who only watches us on YouTube, please, we would really, really, really appreciate it if you could subscribe to us on the audio versions, whether it be Spotify, um. I don't know anything else, Spreaker, Google Music, uh, Apple Podcast, if you could just subscribe to us there, um, you know, as well. It just really, really helps us out, you know, for any of those subscription numbers, regardless of the platforms. You don't have to listen on both platforms if you don't want to, but just the subscription itself just really, really helps us out. And you know what as well? What else, what, what else is free as well? It doesn't cost you a penny, but if you wanted to just leave us a little comment underneath, um, underneath any of our podcasts, any of our YouTube videos, um, five star ratings, anything like that, just helps us helps us out immensely. And as I say, it costs nothing to do so. Um, I know a lot of you guys have done that already. We really, really appreciate you for it. We will be back with a team sheet tantrum on Sunday. As I think the game is a quarter past two on Sunday, Paddy, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I think um, so. Yeah, around two o'clock anyway. It's around two o'clock, so we'll be we'll be on about an hour and fifteen minutes before kickoff, as usually when we come on. So I'll pop out something on social media once we're back on again tomorrow, um, on social media, and uh, we will let you guys know. So as I say, click the subscribe button on YouTube, click the little bell beside the subscribe sub, uh, the subscribe button to be notified. Your phone will ping you when we go live in 30 minutes before we go live as well. If you don't want to miss us, it would be great. We have, we've had 50, 60, 70, 80 people watching us live um, at times during the Team Sheet Tantrums. Let's get that to 100. It would be great because loads of deadly questions come in. And myself and Paddy love answering those and having a crack with you guys as well before the game. It's a it's a real uh, real nice way to, to get ready for the match as well. Um, so thanks ever, ever so much to everybody for everything you do. Follow Paddy on at Villa Paddy. Follow me on at Love McGrath Pod. We're uh, we're one for one. We're one and zero in the last game. Let's go to two and zero in the last last two games, and let's try and get a winning streak as we as we go out to to end this season. And all that's left to say is up the villa, up the villa. Podcast Network.